0: I'm James Milley, and I'm Alex Mito, and this is the Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business
1: podcast for artist entrepreneurs hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to the Artist Business Plan, which means that you, my friend, are certifiably awesome. My name is Alex Mito, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Superfine Art Fair. At Superfine, we're the most widespread art fair for artists in the United States, and we're also one of the top resources for all things related to building your very own thriving art business. Today, we've got Alyssa Sexton here with us on the mic. Alyssa is going to talk about the artist website and give us an insider look at what it's like to operate an online exhibition. I am super excited to hear what Alyssa has to say to us today, but first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners.
0: Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and unsure about the next move in your career? Good news, those days are over. Since 2015, we've spent thousands of hours
1: developing the best art fair model for independent artists just like you who want to take control of your career,
0: build your collector list, and make a real sustainable income from your art. Superfine started with the connection between artists and an eager, empowered, qualified buying audience. So many alternatives didn't provide any real value for the artists who spent their precious time, hard-earned money, and major effort mounting and exhibiting their work without the results to back it up. And that meant that it was time for something new. For seven
1: years, Superfine has focused on breaking down these barriers and creating sustainable economic opportunities for artists to build careers from our fair. To find your place at a Superfine Fair, simply visit www.superfine.world sell hyphen
0: your hyphen art. Don't miss the chance to be part of the top business artist community in the world. Oh, and when you mention the Artist Business Plan, you'll receive $150 credit on your booth no matter what size or city you choose. So that's
1: $150 off, go online to www.superfine.world sell hyphen your art to set up your qualification call with James and get started selling your art with Superfine today. Again, that's www.superfine.world sell hyphen your art. All right, so we are back here with Alyssa Sexton. Alyssa Sexton is an artist, consultant, and curator who provides professional artists with the assistance they need to succeed in the commercial art world. By coaching through studio work, advising on an online presence, and market trends, her guidance has helped countless artists reach their goals and further their art businesses. Responding to a need in the artist community, Alyssa's services evolved to include artist website design, which is now a major part of her business. At the start of COVID-19, Alyssa used her web design and art marketing skills to build an online gallery called Artwork, which provided temporary online exhibition space to artists who are displaced from their in-person gallery exhibitions. Artwork has grown tremendously and is now one of Canada's most active online art spaces. Wow. In just a couple of years, that's incredible. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Alyssa.
2: Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: It is all our pleasure. And before we get started, we have a bit of a tradition on this show. Uh, we ask all of our guests um, just to help our listeners get to know you, and that is: what is the earliest memory that you have of art?
2: This is a fun question, and uh, my my answer comes with a bit of a message to parents because I'm a parent of of small kids, and I remember this so clearly in my mind when. My When I was about seven, eight, I was in watercolor classes and I just had an interest in art. And, you know, I'm in a small town. I I grew up in a small town, so I didn't have access to big museums or lots of fine art, if you know what I'm saying. But when I was young, my parents took one of my watercolor paintings that I had done in class. It was a cardinal on a snowy branch and they hung it. Uh, in the home, in a big ornate frame with museum glass, like they took it to a proper framer. And that was so major, you know? I just felt like, wow. I felt like they really supported me. And that I, I didn't become a practicing artist, but it did send a message that they supported my artistic endeavors. And it really let me, you know, be creative and find a job that really suited me in the creative field.
1: So parents listening, get your kids' art professionally framed. It goes a long way. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Alyssa. I love that story. Um, love to see that, that piece. If your parents still have it, uh, put it up on Instagram and tag us. We'll reshare it for you. Um, well,
2: funny enough, my my mom sort of unceremoniously dropped it off in my garage recently. Ooh, so cool. I think
1: I can do I awesome. yeah, Take a picture. We want to see it. Cool. Awesome. <laughs>
2: Well, thank you
1: thank you so much for sharing that. So now let's dive into the deeper questions here for artists about their careers. Um, so you have extensive knowledge in the art consulting field, which you continue to work in today. What advice can you provide for artists showing an affair like Superfine when it comes to really leveling up your booth and getting the most out of that activation?
2: Well, I love setting up an art fair booth. I have to say, I've uh, I've worked in fairs in major cities around the world for for over a decade, and I love the way that an artist gets to bring their work and make a presentation to really show off what they're working on. So, with you know, I could fill a podcast with uh, with tips and advice, but I'm going to stick to my two top tips. Uh, number one is to bring a cohesive series and a booth when you're at an art fair it's not a place to show everything you've ever done and you're going to have a stronger presentation if you focus on just one series or one concept and 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 have it be a strong one so it's more important to have a tidy attractive booth than it is to show a large amount of art like a quality over quantity situation Uh, do you agree with that as, as a presenter?
1: A hundred percent quality <laughs> over quantity. That would be in, in something we've really honed in on at Superfine over the years is the curatorial advice we give artists and also the the kind of rules and regulations we enforce. Um, we have like no hanging on the top or bottom of the, spa- of the wall space. I mean, what Alyssa just said, guys, less is more, show your best, not the rest. Like really bring, you know, People have so much visual stimuli at an art fair that if you're overwhelming them, overloading your booth and like over curating it, uh, it doesn't have the impact you think it does. So really like clean and, you know, if i paraphrasing correctly, what you said, Alyssa?
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. And there are opportunities to sell other work based on what you Mm -hmm. have on the wall. So if you have a strong, small presentation and you're worried that you didn't bring enough to like cover the cost of your booth, you want to sell Like, you know, people go and they're worried they're they're not going to get all the sales. And because affairs are, you know, they they can be costly. So they want to make up their money, but you're going to make more money. If you show a more concise series, sell all of those. And then the people will be like, hey, where can I get one of those? And then you, you know, I'm sure you've got one in your studio. You can sell them. So we're building a market from this experience. We're building clientele. We're not there to just sell for that weekend. You can sell to those same people that saw you over the next six, eight months.
1: Yeah, if not the next six or eight years, I mean, it can go on for That's a long true. time. That's uh, true, of yeah. course. So, I mean, when, when you're doing an art fair, the work you're putting up on the wall is in many ways, I, w- I don't know, maybe like, is advertisement the right word? I don't know. But it, it's it's a it's a billboard for you and your, and your work. And obviously you hope you sell everything while you're there at the fair, but it's also a way for people to learn about your work. Having an iPad with your catalog, having QR codes that lead to your website, um, getting email addresses of interested buyers and then sending them catalogs and sending them your next series in the future. These are all ways that you can take that really strong presentation that you did in person and turn it into long-term collectors and long-term gains. So I, I agree with you 100% on that, Alyssa. Thank you for for sharing that.
2: <laughs> That's right. Oh. And it is. Um, it also eases the mind of a lot of the artists that I work with when they're like, I don't have enough to do an art fair. And I'm like, you don't need that many, like maybe you know, sometimes you can do a great booth with like six pieces, so you don't have to break your back to make 50 pieces for an art fair. So, a lot of the time, artists hear that and they're like, Oh, well, that's good, I can do a fair,
1: yeah, no, absolutely. And especially, like, you know, the way that we, for example, I'm not trying to talk about super fine the whole time, but the way we structure our fairs, you have an eight foot booth, 12 foot booth, 16. So if you have you know five six seven really strong pieces and you're really excited to get your work out there, it's very easy to do an eight foot booth and curate it very nicely and make a good impact that way. So I uh, I'm a hundred percent with you there. Um, so I, I want to move on to some of the online stuff. So so your past work that you've done um, led to the creation of artwork.ca, and that's everyone listening. That's a r t w r k.ca. Um, Can you give us a peek behind the curtain of like the struggles with online curation and how artists can tackle those challenges when they're curating an online exhibition?
2: Sure. The, the online show curation is not unlike an art fair booth creation. So we, we have a similar space and in one case it's physical, in one case it's digital, but we still have to decide how to best present a digestible collection that will convey the right information to your potential buyers. And in a small amount of time, because we do only one week shows, which is sort of like, you know, an art fair. So the last tip I applied uh, uh, that I shared applies very well there. And um, we want to make sure that we're doing a small grouping of work that represents you very well. And I have one other tip that, that, uh, can really help in in the online art space. And this also helps with your in-fair presentations. And that's to bring or present one piece that's already sold. So that is sort of counterintuitive to people. They don't want to take up wall space with something that is sold. But having something with a red dot on it is a wonderful conversation starter. And it can add that social proof that your work is desired.
1: Yeah, I, I love that idea. And I also... You know another way to engineer that, and I completely agree. Like if you can start a show, whether it's digital or in person, with a sold work, it's it is that psychological proof. It's like when other people walk up to the booth and they're like, "Oh my god, somebody has already you know chosen to invest their money into this artist's work." um, It it gives them a feeling of reassurance that then they can as well. Um, Another thing along the same lines, and I'm I'm kind of jumping back to in person, and I don't know if this is the same for digital. you know, if you have people that are very interested, like maybe they came to a studio visit or they saw your work elsewhere and they want to buy it, it can be advantageous, even if you don't sell it to them in advance, to invite them to the opening of the event or to the digital unveiling, if that's if that's the the format, um, to buy the work there in person. Because it, it gives, you know, it, it gives like that same momentum of what you're explaining, list. I think, of of starting out with a red dot from the start. So... I, uh, I like that, uh, that point quite a bit.
2: Yeah, that's right. We want to load up our potential buyers right at the start of every show. So the most important time for any show, digital or in-person, is the pre-sale. It's leading up to the show. And once, once we start that pre-sale, we really want to have our buyers ready to buy on that day. So if you can entice people to buy the day before the show or just at the opening reception or as it starts... That fuels future sales. It gives the other people who are thinking about your work that reassurance, like you said, that the work is desirable and if they like it, then they should get on get on this while they still can. That's the that's the message we're sending.
1: Right. That's the message you want to be sending. If you like this, come get it because it's going to be gone if you don't. I love that.
2: That's so, right.
1: Moving on to websites is a big part of your business now. So having a solid website is a foundation for a successful artist in 2022 and probably whenever anyone's listening to this episode. So what is the significance of language to an artist and how does that relate to the very basics like titling artwork, like basically the copywriting, the language, how are we talking about it and tell us about the significance and how to do it best.
2: Well, I have, I've heard from Countless artists, and if you're listening and and you've said this, you're in trouble, but if you've said the art should speak for itself, therefore I don't need to write about it, I'm sorry, it just doesn't work right now. (laughs) We need more information. And your art might very well speak to some people, but the vast majority of potential collectors thrive on hearing more about your work in order to complete their understanding. And in my experience selling art in person, and I've sold millions of dollars of art to people one-on-one. And the most common thing I hear is, I like it, but I don't know anything about art. And that, it's a very strange thing. I tell this to artists all the time because they don't understand it because they do know about art. But your general consumer will tell me they don't understand art. Therefore, they don't feel confident in making a choice or, saying whether something is good or not. And then they start to feel insecure about making the purchase. So what we do is we provide the words that go with the artwork to help better the person's understanding. And you can do that in, you know, in any way possible. I like to keep it very simple. I like to keep it to very few words. I'm not talking about a giant artist statement. I'm talking about three sentences to describe what your practice is about. And once we tell that to the potential buyer, once it, so they've got a you know, they like the work, they've got a visual appreciation. And then once we tell them those three sentences, like, you know, this artist isn't interested in doing yada, 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 then the person's like, oh, I understand, makes that person feel like a bit of an expert in the artwork, and it makes them feel more confident to make an acquisition. That's, That's the full picture. So I tell my artists that I work with, this is 50-50. 50% 50 the visual attraction and 50% the writing that goes along with it. So if that doesn't convince you to do some writing with your work, I don't know what will.
1: I I love the idea of the framing and context of the writing around the work, giving the buyer confidence and making them feel like they understand and know the work. And completely agree with you. That is something that's so important for artists to bridge instead of kind of assuming everyone is a sophisticated, and I use the word sophisticated, not like, you know, to say anyone else is unsophisticated, but not assuming everyone is a sophisticated, quote unquote, art collector. They might be people who are like, I love this. This is great. But I don't know if like it's if I should spend money on it. Like, why should I spend money on it? Is it, you know, a lot of people go into an art fair, they don't know if the work is unique or if they're prints or if they're additioned. They, they don't know because they don't have the context. And for us in the art world, well, we know. We know, you know, we go look. We look for the little number on the bottom. We look at the paint, the brush strokes. A lot of people don't know that. So having, you know, an explanation of the nuts and bolts of like, you know, what kind of work is this? Is it original? Is it a one of one? Is it a, is it, you know, one of 20? And what does that mean? And also the inspiration and what it means and give them that kind of like, deeper kind of knowledge of the work. So that, again, like you said, Alyssa, they feel educated about it and thus confident in making a purchase. So I I love that. And I love that, you know, we're, we're talking about writing for artists, which is a whole topic unto itself. So I, I love that. Um, yeah,
2: I talk about that quite a lot actually. And, and another thing that I, I make sure that the clients do that I work with is give their paintings titles with meaning and, You'll see how that really translates in the sales, I promise. When If you come at me with an abstract painting that's called abstract number two, I go, oh God, (laughs) i just eye eye rolling. I'm sorry if anybody does that out there. It's it's just like you're phoning it in. But it's not hard to come up with something with a little more meat to it. And that's like a song lyric, a little phrase, you know, Mm -hmm. a word you like, an emotion you are feeling. That's how simple it is. And I mean, true story, I sold a painting last week to somebody who, uh, like on behalf of an artist, I don't paint myself, but I sold a painting that was called New Beginnings. And the client said, it's for a wedding gift. And they just loved the title. So there you go. That it was the title that sold Mm -hmm. that beautiful painting in the end.
1: Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and actually, you know, I think it's also fun to kind of figure out what the themes and threads of your work are and then organize around them. And I know like my business partner, James is a photographer, and he recently uh, redid his website and he put the, the photos that he's working on t- into different collections. And he kind of discovered that um, he was working around three or four different themes. And then each of those kind of had like an interesting, like, like, collection that they could belong to that then could also belong in a person's home in a specific room. So it was a nice way of like, again, encouraging the sales aspect, but also having fun while doing it. So I think it's a really cool thing to do. So guys, we're going to come right back and Alyssa is going to answer some more questions about artist sales platforms online, but first a quick message from our sponsors.
0: Artists, are you struggling with getting yourself out there and selling your work? Well, you came to the right place. For seven years, Superfine Art Fair has traveled across the United States and connected with all sorts of art professionals from curators, gallerists, a community of successful artists, and everything in between. We've developed strategies to assist hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that they deserve. From New York City to San Francisco, Miami Beach to Seattle, your next art fair is right around the corner. You can apply to be a part of the fair when it comes to a city near you by visiting www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. Mention the artist business plan during your qualification call and we'll take $150 off your booth fee for any city and any fair you choose. Today's the day to start taking control of your art career.
1: All right. And we are back here on the Artist Business Plan with Alyssa Sexton. So Alyssa, when designing the artist website, what are some of the things you would recommend that people avoid? And what like upsets you or irritates you the most to see on a website? And how do people fix it?
2: Oh, good questions. It's another huge topic. But uh, often uh, people hire me for what I call a website audit. And we look at the website together and I can look at it with fresh eyes and say, you know, if I were your buyer, you know, this is where I would struggle or, you know, as a, I, I was formerly a gallery director. So, uh, as a gallery director, I'd want to see like this as a collector, I'd want to see this. So that's we want to look at it from all angles. And the most common things I said that I fix when I set out to, uh, do a website audit is I often cut back on the number of navigation items along the top of the site. So knowing that we have a small window of opportunity to impress somebody, we want to just cut right to the point, maybe have you know categories like artwork, about, and contact. Let's just keep it simple. And another thing that I change right away is if you've got an exhibition page that has all kinds of outdated exhibition info, I think that looks awful. So I'd rather ha- have you not have an exhibitions page if you're not going to keep it up to date. That's fine. Get rid of it. Um, one other thing is I, I don't like to get to a site and see a whole lot of different categories for the artwork. And I, I believe you're going to have a comment on this as well. When When you open up a website and if it says landscape, abstract, floral, etc., you know pick what genre you want to look at that makes me feel like you're a jack of all trades and i think that you you know vetting artists for your uh, art fairs would feel a bit the same way like you'd be you'd open the website and go well what are they going to present so that's what like circling back to what we talked about earlier that's not a cohesive series that's like you know everything you've ever done so that becomes challenging me when I open it up and I'm not sure what you actually specialize in you feel that
1: oh yeah make it clear what you're doing and make it engaging like if it's just like yeah like I, I agree on the categories front like and I and, and, you know I, I shared that story but his, I want to say like you know if James if you're listening out there um his are interesting I, th- I think they're really cool they're based on rooms in like this fictional mansion and they're engaging and whatnot. And, and the work is basically the same as conceptual photography, just maybe different settings. Um, but yeah, when you go to an artist site, and you've got like, you know, a sailboats category and and uh, abstract uh, uh, portraits, whatever, it just is overwhelming. And it doesn't none of those really lead the the viewer. And at least that's my feedback as a frequent website visitor and also a digital marketing consultant. So <laughs>
2: That's right. Yeah, so there's a quick fix for that. So and and uh and certainly it, if you can create a journey with your categories like the rooms like that sounds amazing. But if it is just splitting genres for the sake of splitting genres like in a clothing store if it's like here's all the pants, here's all the shirts, you know. We don't need to do that with our website. We want to see your artwork. And the best way to fix that is if you just make a category called recent artwork and put, you know, what you're working on there, then curators like myself and uh, you guys, when you go to the site, you'll, you'll go to recent work and you'll know what's sort of the freshest thing that the artist is
1: working on. Yeah, exactly. And keeping that, I love that recent work tab. So you can like see it right at the top and you can also even highlight your, some of your most recent pieces above the fold on your homepage and, you know, point to the fact that they're new. I think that's also a neat way of doing it. Um, So the, the website is, is super important, but it is just one tool in the artist's set of marketing tools. And the, but also like, you know, when you're, there's so many apps and programs out there and it can be overwhelming and sometimes it can sort of muddle you because you're like, you're like, I don't know what to do. And I'm spread thin across all these platforms. How does an artist take advantage of the different platforms that are out there, but unify their brand and unify their messaging and just basically make it easy for themselves to do it well?
2: Well, unifying a brand is really important, and I I meet with people quite a lot to talk about this brand idea, and I have to say it starts off feeling like a dirty word. People don't like the idea of a brand, and I think they're just comparing it to like, you know, a set of corporate colored logos and whatnot. But um, as an artist, our our most powerful brand is our name usually. So as you don't need to come and come up with some clever business name in most cases we want your name we want you as the artist and you as the artist is best presented with a simple font a white background black type pick a font that you love that's that is legible and speaks to your aesthetic and keep that simple and once you use that on all of your channels it's going to look like you sort of have it together
1: Right. I love that idea. Just keeping it simple, keeping your branding clean and your messaging clean is, is so important. And I want to kind of add to something actually there, Alyssa, it's been, you know, it's been on my mind. I just curated, um, the New York art fair and and a couple others. Um, so, you know, artists are on Instagram and a lot of times, you know, I, I know sometimes availability of names can be difficult on Instagram or on, or even for your website. Um, having your name just just your name and and not like uh, another spelling or not like a you know like in, in in my opinion as as a collector and as an art fair organizer 90% of the time your name is great like you don't need mm-hmm. a another artist name and no, you don't need something with like you know numbers instead of letters it's just like a complicated spelling it's very hard for people to find you and you know, I, I thought of this as I was going through 130 Instagram profiles. I'm like, wow, th- like the ones that are complicated are really hard for me to find, and I'm actually looking for them. And I'm an organizer that is working directly with these people. And and if you're listening there, I mean, I mean this fully constructively. Um, I lo- I would love to see artists returning to just you know using your name, making it simple for people to find you. And and I don't know what what are your thoughts on that, Alyssa.
2: Yes, and I've had um, I've had artists come to me with um, very challenging or long last names and say like in one case I, I don't I won't I actually don't even know how to pronounce it anymore. She, she had a longer a long long last name but was like maybe I should use my maiden name but that would have made her name like Jen Smith or something for like that's just an example but it's like hmm, I don't think Jen Smith is gonna get you I don't think you're gonna be easy to find if your name is Jen Smith so having that longer name was actually uh, a good thing for her. So I'd say whatever your name is or whatever iteration of your name you can use is go- is always going to work best.
1: Right. No, I, I agree 100% on that. And I, and again, artists listening out there, super fine artists, other artists, it's not bad. If you, if you, if you know, created this brand and identity and name that's working really well. I mean, I mean, I'd love to hear about it, but I, um, I do, just as a you know someone who often searching for artists, I, I would love to just kind of see your name or as close to it as possible to find you online. Um, just my two cents. Um, it's true.
2: There's always good exceptions. There's yeah. always good exceptions. And there's probably people listening that are like, but, and I'm like, yep, you go with that.
1: Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. One of my favorite quotes is, learn the rules well so you can break them well. So if you're currently breaking these rules and it's working for you, like more power to you and send yeah. me an email and i'd love to maybe have you on here to talk about how that's working but again my opinion you know from what i've observed is that nine times out of ten better to have your name and a variation that's easy to find and same for websites same for for websites is actually quite important from for an seo standpoint which i'm also um i work in seo when i consult for brands and companies uh with digital marketing And, you know, your name, if you're doing all these art shows and you're, and you're getting your brand out there and you're meeting people and you're selling art, well, most likely they're looking for your name and the word art. So if your website, if your URL of your website has your name and the word art in it, they're going to find you really easily. If it has another name or something like, you know, a a secondary brand you created outside of your name, it's going to be a lot harder for them to find you. So just something to bear in mind there. Um, yep. So Alyssa, this has been an incredible chat. I could probably talk for another half hour on these topics. I'm very passionate about them, and I know you are. Um, but we have to bring it to a close. Uh, so let's bring this one home for our listeners out there. You mentioned you do website audience, You work with artists in an advisory capacity. How can artists get in touch with you and take advantage of the services that you offer?
2: I have a website. It's AlyssaSexton.com. And I'd love for anyone interested to take a peek. Uh, when you head to my website, you'll see that I've got a great blog full of free advice. So start there. I've got some digital downloads that you can take a look at to get a feel of my style of, of coaching. And I, I really I, I, I hope that I come across as very approachable. Some people come to me a little nervous, but I, this isn't like school critiques, like this is like a conversation and I want to get you to a better place with your art business. That's my goal. And we can have a really great chat about that. And you'll see that, uh, you know, sometimes that leads to website development because it all kind of works together nicely. And our, our artwork uh, gallery website, we're having a little break for the month of August, but we're back swinging in the fall with lots of weekly shows. So I'd love for everyone to check that out too. That's artwork.ca.
1: I love that, guys. You need to get in touch with Alyssa. And I'm so glad, Alyssa, that your Instagram and website are what we just discussed. That would have been really embarrassing if it was the opposite. <laughs> so I'm, glad, I'm glad they are. Yeah. Um, guys, if you, I hope you caught all that. If you didn't, uh, you can always listen to this episode and any of our past podcasts on our website at www.superfine.world. To connect with Alyssa, you can follow her on Instagram at AlyssaSextonArt.com or at, what was it? AlyssaSexton.com? That's right. AlyssaSexton.com or at artwork.ca. That's artwr k.ca. And be sure to check us out online at Superfine Art Fair on Instagram and at www.superfine.world. And anytime you're listening to the Artist Business Plan, whether you're in your studio or preferably not in your car, but you know wherever you're listening, if you want to take a an Instagram selfie video and tag us, um, feel free, and we will always restore that. Um, another thing that we really, really appreciate is if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts when you get the chance. The ratings and reviews that listeners like you leave are really critical in helping other artist entrepreneurs find us and benefit from our and our guests' perspectives. And as always, I want to wrap up this class by sharing a quick quote with you all. And quote is actually from one of my favorite designers. Um, And it is, design is a plan for arranging elements in such a way as to best accomplish a particular purpose. And that is Charles Eames. Um, I have six Eames chairs and I love them. Uh, Alyssa, it has been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we're so grateful to you.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You are very welcome. And everybody else have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan, get out there and make it happen for yourself.
0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the artist business plan hosted by me, Alex Mito and me, James Milley.
1: Join us each week to hear leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas discuss
0: tips and tricks designed to help you thrive and sell more art. To listen to this episode and all of our past episodes, just visit www.superfine.world and click the Artist Business Plan.
1: And we love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram
0: at superfineartfair and shoot us a message just to let us know you're listening. Want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Go to www.superfine.world sell hyphen your hyphen art. Until next time, keep listening, keep creating, and keep up your artist business plan.